Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 75 of Conquering Columbus. Uh, today on the show, we got Mr. Mike Liddy, and he is the creative strategist, digital marketer, agency leader, and producer over at Chop Tank. And he's got a lot of great advice for all you aspiring entrepreneurs out there. I really think you, you'll enjoy this episode, and I hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that interview, though, guys, I want to take a moment and ask you all for a quick favor. Go ahead, pick up that phone of yours you were listening to this on. And uh, check out your podcast app, whether it's iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, uh, whatever you like to listen on. Uh, there will be a subscribe button, and if you click that, it will make sure that you never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. And the last thing we want to do before we start the show is take the time to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with our friends over at AWH. For those of you who haven't heard of AWH, they are a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm. And with over 22 years of experience, AWH collaborates with a variety of clients to drive desired business outcomes through great digital products. To find out more, check out awh.net and let them know Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. For more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software they serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at GoFMX.com. All right, Conquerors, that's all we got. Let's get this show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. And today on the show, we have Mr. Mike Liddy. And Mike is currently a principal at Chop Tank, a digital thought shop for enthusiastic brands based here in Columbus. And uh, Mike is their chief digital strategist, creative director, and producer. He's held a variety of roles before Chop Tank in the marketing and sales space, and he graduated from Ohio State with a degree in English and a focus in corporate communications, as well as a minor in business. And welcome to Conquering Columbus, Mike. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're real excited to have you on the show today. Uh, how's your day going so far? It's great. You know, it's Monday, but uh, you know, I try not to get too down on Mondays. Right? <laughs> it's the start of the week, and the, it didn't rain today. That's always good, so, right? You know, especially when we're in the middle of September here in Ohio, it's always nice when it doesn't rain. Yeah, and we get a little reprieve from uh, 
from the fall weather we've been experiencing, right? It's been nice and hot lately, so. You like it better that way? I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking forward to the cold, you know? It's like, I get sick of the 80 degrees every yeah. single day. It's just. Yeah, but I, I still kind of want to, like, hold on to summer, right? Like, I'm not <laughs> ready to, to, like, say goodbye, so. I'm going on vacation next week, so I'll get, like, my last dose of uh, Where you summer at before. We're uh, taking a cruise. Oh, yeah, nice. so. Where's that going? All the other, like, Hawaiian shirt-wearing, you know. <laughs> Americans, Americans, <laughs> the line, right? Just stuff in my face. So, I've never been on a cruise before. We could go down a tangent right. down here. So yeah, maybe yeah. We'll, we'll kick it off in the beginning. And kind of, we'll start back in the early days and kind of talk about your childhood, um, leading up through college, and then we'll jump into what you got going on today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Ohio. I was born and raised in Ohio, um, more like uh, you know north of Dayton. So that was Dayton was kind of my big city growing up. You know, which is it's kind of a joke, right? But um, no, I, I, uh, I guess kind of, it was pretty typical, you know, upbringing, like in, in rural Ohio, you know, I had a cornfield in my backyard, and I didn't eat sushi until I was like 20, so. Um, <laughs> that, that's like the measuring stick these days. <laughs> right? Like, so, but no, it was great, you know, it was small town Ohio, and, um, you know, we rode our bikes places and didn't worry about, you know. Like, my parents didn't worry about me getting abducted or something, you know. So it was a great, like, kind of, um, you know, one side of my family. I had, uh, like, my dad's side of the family. They were very, like, uh, a lot of sales guys over there. You guys can relate to what that's like, right? And um, doctors and lawyers and business owners and, like, that kind of, like, left brain type of thing. Is that the left brain? I don't. I, you Whatever know what? I'm not even pretending to know which brain. It's definitely, <laughs> definitely part of the brain. Right, yeah. yeah we, <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, analytical thinking, and there's some intellectuals. And then the, the other side, my mom's side of the family, they're very creative. You know, there's a lot of arti- artists and, um, you know, uh, performers and stuff like that. I've had cousins on Broadway and in, like, movies with Woody Harrelson and, you know, stuff like that. So uh, my brother's a professional musician, so I had this kind of, like, balance in my upbringing you know these two two different ways of thinking you know yeah it's interesting and so kind of it's funnily enough it's kind of like you fell right in the middle you're creative director you're also a business you do kind of both things so it's kind of like you're this combo of both sides of your family yeah yeah you know my dad was a you know he's an intellectual he's very smart he's kind of like one of these dudes who just retains everything you know I don't know if he has a photographic memory but you know, he's, he's like that dude who understands how everything works. Mm-hmm. And you guys, you, you've heard this uh, phrase mansplaining lately, right? Like, yeah. Said, that was like my dad. If I, hey, dad, how does this work? You know, he knew like every detail of all the inner workings of the stuff. And he was really like into history and politics. And he had this like command of all this knowledge. Um, but he also was a sales guy. And he could talk to anybody about anything. You know. What do they do for a living, your mom and your dad? Uh, so my dad, he, he works in sales. So he's like a, I don't even know, he's like a national sales manager for a solenoid company, right? Like make little switches and whatever a solenoid is, right? <laughs> um, and, and my mom, she, um, she's always kind of been more on the creative side. Like she did some copywriting for a newspaper and she does some writing, you know, and stuff like that. So she's always had this kind of really creative outside-of-the-box thinking and kind of entrepreneurial spirit. Um, it's more like freelance work then? Or? No, no, she, she, she kind of, it's more for herself, you know, like that kind of thing nowadays anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. She's retired now, so she kind of so, does whatever she wants right. when she's not babysitting for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what point um, brought you out of that small town and then here to Columbus? Kind of how did that route look? 
Yeah, I mean, it's time to go to college, right? That's kind of a, the necessity, right? That's the jacks to open these days. So, um, I went to uh, I went to Ohio State because, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really have much of a rationale back then. You know, I was like 18. I'm like, well, where am I gonna go? I'll go to Ohio State. You know, I didn't really wanna wanna go out of state. Um, and I, you know, I love Columbus, and I was kind of seeing a girl who went to Ohio State. So. Um, I just kind of ended up there, um, which I actually happened to be, you know, turned out to be awesome because Columbus is awesome. Go so. Bucks, Right? <laughs> right? And so, so let's talk a little bit about, like, when you get to Ohio State, kind of what pushed you in the direction of um, English? What made you want to do an English major? Oh, and wow. what yeah. pushed you towards that corporate uh, communication? Yeah. I didn't want to do math. Well, I didn't want to like- do calculus <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. Like we Josh, are, we are, <laughs> Josh over here is a theoretical math major. We are that's the all polar, we to do. polar opposite human. I, I, the only reason I did math is because I didn't want to do English. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the thing I know the least about. I'll make up at least fifty percent of the words we say in this interview. Okay, and but I, 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 I won't even you, notice. I'll play it off super confident. That yeah, that's why. It's I won't even like, notice. <laughs> I'm a caveman anyway, so I would, you know, just go right over my head. But I did spend a good amount of time in the in the math tower. So go from Ohio State, you graduate, kind of how does, uh, where does life take you from there? So, yeah, I was kind of, um, at that point, kind of scrambling for what I was going to do with an English major, right? Um, you know, everybody's telling me, oh, you have all these, you know, options and all this opportunity to, available to you, but you just, you don't know what you don't know at that point, you know? And um, so I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, and I kind of, Stumbled onto this internship. There was a writing internship at United Healthcare, and I'd always been a fairly competent writer. So I went out for this internship, and it and it it you know it kind of uh, it kind of just snowballed from there. You know, I was working there, and then I I got hired full time after the internship, and I ended up you know as a senior writer, and then I ended up managing a team of writers there. And uh, through through that experience, I got exposure to um, agencies and um, kind of saw what that was like, you know. I didn't directly, you know, manage any agencies or anything like that, but I got to go to presentations and things like that and, like, see their cool office spaces and, like, they're drinking beer on, like, Tuesday afternoons at work, <laughs> and I was like, I want to do that, right? Um, so, so I went from, from there to, to an agency uh, where I started work as a copywriter. Mm-hmm. And... So real quickly, yeah. sorry to jump in here. But no, no. So what were you writing for United Healthcare? Were you doing like underwriting insurance? So um, now, there, so uh, there wasn't a math, so no underwriting, right. you know. But no, I, I mean, I did a variety of things there. We, we, we did a lot of RFPs, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we did a lot of uh, you know internal database stuff, you know, kind of like uh, form communications. Um, there was some uh, internal marketing type stuff that we did and some website copy and, you know, stuff like that. It was all very corporate, though, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't I, – I was at that point feeling this need to, like, do something more creative, you know, and not be, you know, writing technical insurance copy forever. Right. <laughs> Which is, right. you know. So what agency did you jump off to? So I went to uh, work at an agency here in town. They're actually uh, right across from you guys. They're called Weber Associates, and they're uh, – they're kind of a small, fly under the radar type agency. They do a lot of B two B work, um, but they they don't really work you know around here. So not a lot of people in the town have, have really heard of them. 
So, so when you say agency, for those people who aren't listening, yeah. and maybe I don't even know the exact details of what, does agency always entail like graphic design and strategic marketing or what exactly does an agency cover? It, it's a lot of things, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the easiest way to describe it is, you know, we create ads, right? So you got your designers and your copywriters and, you know, and, and, and strategists nowadays and, you know, your account people who kind of manage the relationships of... Um, the easiest, you know, comparison is like if you've seen Mad Men, right? It's like that kind of work that they do. Obviously, it's very different now. Channels and tactics aren't billboards and, right. you know, whatever. Um, you know, with social media and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it, there's a lot of different types of agencies that do a lot of different things. You know, we're we're Chop Tank happens to be a, a digital strategy agency, um, so we don't necessarily just like create a bunch of tactics. But you know, a lot of people do social media. There's search engine optimization. There's website development agencies. You know, kind of spans the gamut. So when you guys were doing B2B work over, you said Weber, is that correct? Yeah. What yeah. exactly? What kind of clients were you guys working with? And like, I guess I'm interested to hear what were some of your copy strategies? Like, what were some of your strengths in those positions? Because I think there's a lot of tactics that you can add into copy and persuasive copy that um, maybe a lot of people don't really realize. Yeah. So when when I was working there, we had. Uh, a lot of big companies. The the company had uh, two sides. There was they were, they started really more as a consultancy, like a sales consultancy, uh, call center consultants and stuff like that. And then uh, that led to some some creative work that people started to request from them. And so they started up this marketing agency side and hired a couple graphic designers and you know. Um, but we were working with uh, Sprint um, nationwide. Uh, mass mutual cable vision like companies like that there was direct tv was a client of ours so they were kind of bigger brands which was great um, especially starting out for me in an agency to have exposure to these like huge brands just kind of by you know happenstance that i that got over there and um, you know learned a lot about how um how these companies work and i learned a lot more about politics and you know that kind of stuff working there and um, I was so to your question about copy you know I was writing a lot of copy but when we were doing B2B it was all like very technical stuff you know uh, white papers and fact sheets and you know stuff that the sales team would use to sell a widget to you know another company um, but after after a while you know I'm presenting my work and somebody somebody said hey you should really you should really be just like a client guy um just by the way that and, i was and what do they mean by that you know so like, yeah so more on the, like the account side um i don't think it, it hopefully it wasn't because my copy was bad but uh i think it was just the way that i interacted with clients and the way that i developed my strategies and things like that the way that i presented the creative um that people were like hey we want to move you to an account position and see how that goes and at that point i was like cool you know i'm up for anything and uh, so I started to do the the account side you know just kind of it was a little a mix between you know the client relationship and project management type of role you know making calendars and budgets and you know spreadsheets and stuff like that so um, I got into that pretty heavily and then I, I started to I started to resent it a little bit because I didn't have a creative outlet anymore you know I was just 
here's the creative that this team made. And so that's, that's when I started to make, um, make kind of strategy the focus of what I wanted my career to be. Mm -hmm. So it sounds <clears throat> like from an outside perspective that you were kind of stuck in this like <clears throat> corporate structure almost throughout your entire time while being creative. But like, so when you're working with companies like Sprint and things like that, like I imagine that you get some flexibility within your own agency, but then you're you're stuck within the guidelines of their rules. Is that kind of how that worked? Or that yeah, like I mean, we, we had a really strict um, contract with them, retainer contract, where we had to give them a certain number of hours of every, you know everyone's day percentage of the team's time. And I don't know, I don't know all the contract details, but it was kind of it was a crazy crazy thing. But yeah, we we weren't always uh, we weren't always just free to you know to operate within our own structure. Right, yeah. right, and so from Weber, where do you go from there? <clears throat> so from there, um, I, um, I actually was, uh, I had a friend who was working at Abbott at mm -hmm. the time, and um, they had a contract position over there, and uh, he asked me to come over there and work, work at Abbott as, a, as an account person. Um, and I was, I was up for that because I, I was kind of, Kind of didn't really want to work in B2B so much anymore. You know, I wanted to get some exposure to the B2C side of it. You know, business to consumer stuff. Um, so I went over to Abbott and I worked there under a contract. And um, at the end of that contract, I obviously went. I went to uh, a, a different agency, but mm -hmm. it, it gave me a lot of uh, exposure to CPG, which is consumer packaged goods marketing. So you kind of are making jumps from these different organizations and kind of rounding out your skill set and getting all these different perspectives. And then once you leave Abbott, and then let's talk about kind of how things progress from that point. Yeah, so um, I had a, a friend who was working at, a, at another agency that did uh, communications for um, energy utilities which, you know, sounds en enthralling, right? <laughs> um, everybody wants to hear from AEP, right? Right. But um, I, um, I got, that, got an offer to come over there, and uh, Abbott, um, it went really well with them, you know? They offered me a full-time position, and, but I, I just I kind of wanted to, to get back into the small agency world. And so I, I took this position at this energy utility uh, company, and worked there for a couple years and, and that's where I really really got to apply strategy to what I was doing you know yeah I was still managing the clients but it's a small company and so you have to wear lots of different hats and um, so marketing strategy became a big piece of what I was doing you know data and analytics it was all digital stuff so we had numbers coming out of our ears and nobody nobody knew what to do with them right. you know so I was like well let's apply them you're like I hung up. Right. I, hung out, I hung out in the top floor of the math building a lot. I yeah, got right? this, I got the numbers <laughs> down. Yeah, I was there a lot. So yeah, um, I got, you know, it's just assimilated to me through osmosis while I was sitting there. But um, no, so I got I got to got to work with you know email metrics and website metrics and you know stuff like that. And um, it, it was it was really it was really awesome in opening me up to to a more strategic approach to marketing. You know, it's not just about the creative. And it's not just about you know like how hard we can brown nose these clients you know, but we can actually we can actually take information and make things better, you know. We can improve the broader world at large, you know. And um, so I really love that. So I worked there for a couple of years, and then me and a, a coworker of mine there were like, hey, you know what? 
we could probably do this for ourselves. You know, we don't have to sit here and make these other guys a bunch of money. And uh, so that's when we decided to, um, to break out on our own and we started Chop Tank. So maybe let's jump in and get a little bit granular in that process. Did you guys, things that I'm always interested in at this stage, yeah. did you guys have money saved up? Did you have a first client lined up? Did you branch off of clients that you were working with there? How did, how did that all work? Yeah, so we didn't, we wanted to do things on the up and up, right? We didn't want to, we didn't want to start our business by, by stealing clients from someone else or anything like that. You know, we had our own personal networks, you know, people that we knew. Um, but, but that's not how we wanted to start. We wanted to achieve success on our own merit. And uh, luckily for us, in our, in our, in our industry, um, really all you needed like two people and, and a laptop. So there wasn't a lot of like startup capital or anything like that that we needed. So um, we didn't really have much cash. You know, we had enough to get the lawyer to write up the agreement and to get the trademark and the URL and all that stuff. But um, what about living until you land that first client? Did you keep your job for a while? Or? So we did for a little bit. You know, we just ran some like freelance stuff in the background, kind of smaller projects until um, until it was time to, to break off. And then we we made a plan that like one of us will go first you know, and work full time once we get a, a couple of projects that can support them and whoever's skill set better, better fits um, the projects that we had at that time would be the first one to go. And I was the first one to go. Um, and then Meg, she kind of worked for a few more weeks until we built up a couple more projects and then she made, excuse me, then she made her exit. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of, we worked from home. We actually have a friend who, who owned an agency in town at that time and he just like let us squat in the back room, you know? So, um, but yeah, there, there wasn't a, yeah, there wasn't a lot that we, that we really had to do. Um, we just, you know, started uh, hitting our, hitting our net personal networks, you know? And we got extremely lucky with some of the work that we got. Yeah, and so when was this exactly? Like time, date? Oh range? yeah, so we started uh, planning Chop Tank back at the end of 2013. Okay. And uh, so we finally made the jump at the beginning of uh, 2014. Cool. So you've been in so you've been in business for about three years now. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit how things have changed between, you know, that first starting out in 2014 <sighs> and how your roles have progressed? From yeah, what you're doing then to what your role looks like today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you're first starting, you, you take anything that comes, right? Like, yeah, we do that, sure. You know, um, Meg and I had had a good, broad, broad enough experience that we knew a lot about, or a little about a lot of things, you know. And uh, so um, we kind of let the company progress. Um, we we knew we always wanted it to be a strategy shop, but we didn't really want to focus it on a specific industry or you know a specific type of strategy. We just kind of wanted to to see what the market was demanding of us. And early on, it demanded websites, right? That's what everybody wanted. Like, Could you just build us a website? You know. Mm -hmm. uh, so we. So those, those were your first few projects. Were just straight up websites. Yeah, yeah, they were. So uh, you know, Meg, she's she was a web designer. That's part of her background, you know. And I was a copywriter. So we had a couple of those bases covered, you know, and we had both run multiple website projects before, so it wasn't a big deal for us. Um, but then, you know, we needed stuff like development. We didn't have development, you know. Um, but we, we had worked in small agencies in town, both of us, and so we'd built up a, a lot of, you know, a little black book of a lot of freelancers that we knew and we trusted and uh, other agencies and stuff like that. So we started pulling these people to kind of execute the work for us. 
so we were we were doing the thinking and the planning and stuff like that up front and um, we were kind of letting them help us with the execution but but the the big thing that that we we did you know since we were just kind of letting the market demand what kind of strategy they wanted you know uh, for some of these websites that we started to do they were small these guys didn't have a lot of money you know some of them were taking a chance on us and stuff like that so we um, we couldn't really get anybody to pay us for the strategy piece, right? They're just like, nah, just build the website. Just make it like the current one, only redesign it, you know? Mm -hmm. So we started to do the strategy piece anyway um, to, to put that rationale and that thinking in there so that we had these, you know, websites that reflected what we wanted our product to be. Um, and and I, th I think that's that's where we started to, to kind of develop a little bit of a, you know, a process, but also a little bit of a reputation for doing things a certain way. So maybe talk a little bit, two things there, I guess. One, yeah. I'm curious about when I worked in, I guess you would call it an agency, we also had like a similar business model where we wouldn't bring on developers because their overhead was just so expensive. Yeah, so right. is that what you've noticed across, I guess, maybe maybe not just Columbus, but abroad, that these agencies are working and outsourcing a lot of their development? Is that kind of how they're all operating? Oh, a lot of them, yeah. I mean, we, we have a kind of a unspoken policy at ChopTank that we keep stuff local. You know, so we use developers in town that we know. Um, but and there's a lot, a lot of freelance developers out there to handle that work then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's tons of them, you know. Um, and, and there's a there's a small handful that we know are tried and true, you know. Um, I'm sure there's plenty that are, but this is the ones we know. But yeah, a lot of a lot of agencies will will farm out development. Um, you know, we we've sent stuff to big development shops in Columbus before. Um, we um, like a Dynamit or something like that. Or yeah, I mean, we we've used AWH before. You know, they're up in Dublin, and you know, with Ryan Ryan Frederick, startup Ryan. They, yeah. Our biggest sponsors here on the show. Shout out to AWH. There you go. Yeah, I know you guys are out there listening because they yeah. retweet it every week. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're awesome. So we've worked with them on a few different things. You know, when we need when we need bigger bigger chops in the development space. You know, working on stuff like Express or something like that that demands more than just a a guy and his back room or whatever um, but yeah but yeah um, uh, you know but a lot of agencies will farm stuff out to you know overseas and that's just something that we don't we don't really want to do we want to keep stuff here we want to keep it local we want to support the people that that support us but you know also the people that that are right across town that can come in for the meeting and sit down and be accountable for the work that they're doing for my client mm -hmm. you know yeah that's interesting because it's like I mean for us development is such a huge core part of our product that we have no way that we can take the chance of farming it out overseas. Yeah. But you hear a lot of times, because these codes can be written in so many different ways. I'm not a developer, so I'm just kind of speaking from the back of my hand from what I know. But yeah. it's like when these things fall apart, you'll have these companies that have created these products for you, and then you go back for support, and it's just a big broken mess. So to say that you're not farming it out, you're keeping it local, it's more than just, hey, we're supporting the economy. It's, hey, we're supporting you all the way through for a long time because we really care about the longevity of yeah, our relationship. And absolutely, absolutely, and that and that that's what our business is based on. You know, we're a largely referral, you know, based business. So, um, you know, and, and we we preach a, a higher end product, you know, with a more strategic approach. And um, if we can't if we can't deliver that, we can't promise that. You know, let me rephrase that. If we're farming it out, we can't really promise that. Mm -hmm. You know. Right, definitely. So, kind of 
One thing I, I was interested in is you guys yeah. kind of work with a really wide range of customers from yeah. your Fortune 500 companies to really small mid-sized businesses. Yeah. So how does that approach and that that um, product that you offer to people, how does that differ between, say, you know, a Fortune 500 and a small business? Yeah, great question. Um, we have, uh, let's see. We work with a lot of like you know large companies, and, and, and the way that we typically work with those guys is mostly stra uh, strategy work. You know that's what they hire us to do. Um, they've got internal groups, they've got agencies of record, and all that stuff that handles their execution, right? Their retainer type of of work. Um, so they bring us in on on projects. You know, for for example. It, uh, specifically say but you know uh, we had a, a large fashion retailer who uh, brought us in because they needed a communication strategy for their outlet stores or uh, we had a, a client a another large fashion retailer bring us in to do um, to uh, do blue sky thinking and ideation around a new app right um, and we've had we've had other you know large companies that just say hey we need to relaunch our website um, we have to update it in these ways these are the goals we want to achieve you know that kind of thing mm -hmm. um, and and so those are kind of small like isolate not small some of them are pretty big but isolated projects I should say whereas working with some of these smaller companies you know we do kind of typical retainer work right. for them you know like producing you know, assets or packaging design, or social media management, or you know, search engine optimization for their websites, stuff like that. That is just kind of like repeating month to month work, right? So, what's kind of like hard for me to wrap my mind around is pitching strategy as a product. <clears throat> it's got to be really hard because how do you validate your ROI, and then how do you kind of how do you guys kind of get the ball rolling and land those first couple of projects where you're strictly doing strategy instead of websites, like? Who was selling those and how'd you land customers such as the one that we're gonna bleep out from earlier, the retail <laughs> brand? Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully Mike's gotten better at the editing so we can got, go. I've gotta know, we're cutting it out. Don't <laughs> worry. We just gotta do the beef. We can't cut it out. You gotta we gotta, gotta find gotta a way get... to get beep. Yeah, because yeah. that makes it mysterious. Yeah, no right. Yeah. Um and now that I've totally I mean, distracted yeah, I totally from my question, I'll question. Make, go back over that one. Yeah. So I was saying, like, I think it's hard to, or at least I would imagine it'd be hard to pitch strategy as a product. So how did you land your first couple of customers that were big clients, and what was your pitch like to them? So, um, like I said before, you know, we've been referral-based, and uh, we were really lucky with the relationships that we had. Um, and so, you know, we were tapping, tapping our network as much as we could, and we got lucky that a couple people at some bigger brands decided to take a chance on working with us. Um, that being said, you know we had we went from you know designing websites to doing strategy by applying that strategy to every project that we did and demonstrating that hey, you know this kind of approach works. Um, one one thing that we started to do actually was uh, we worked with other agencies. You know we would hire them to do execution and then they realized that they could hire us to do strategy. And so, uh, you know, we, we did anything from, you know, research projects for higher ed institutions to, you know, website design, or not design, but uh, website planning and hierarchy and stuff like that for, for other agencies. And they just kind of pin us on the front and help pitch for us, you know. 
Um, because for them, uh, having a clear roadmap with rationale as to why they should approach designing a website this way or whatever it is uh, was super helpful for their team. Um, but also, it helped them. It helped them measure success for the project and, and hold hold themselves and hold us and hold the client, you know, accountable for for the rationale as to why we did it this way. You know, it takes it takes that question out of like, why didn't this work at the end, you know, or why did it work? Now we have because we approached it in this you know fashion or whatever. So strategy for you guys was kind of just like market research and validation and. I, I mean, that, yeah, that's a big piece of it, right? But it it really depends. Are we doing a brand strategy project or are we doing a product activation or you know whatever um, the, it, it, it's it's a it's it's kind of it's a broad sweeping thing but for, but for me a, a strategy is just how can we make the marketing work to make the company as profitable as possible right so what is um, it, it, it comes down to understanding, or not really understanding, but empathizing, I think, with the end customer, right? Uh, and, and that's what we build all of our strategy around, is, is trying to empathize with the end customer. I say empathize instead of understand, because you can never really fully understand someone. You know, you, you grow up and you have these relationships with people and they still do stuff that you're like, who is this guy all of a sudden, right? But, but you can empathize. You can put yourself in their place and think, well, from their perspective, you know, what kind of, how, how would I make these decisions? You know, and, and, and the way that we do that is, is through, more through psychographics and analyzing drivers than focusing on demographics you know, age, race, religion, whatever of people, it, it, it sometimes can tell you a thing or two, but more often than not, it's, it's useless data that people just use as color for their personas, you know? Um, and so we, we focus on, on drivers and, and more on, on emotions, you know? Um, so so a, a, to get there, obviously you have to do that research. So we do, you know, focus groups and surveying and interviews and, you know, stuff like that. Whatever we can, we buy research from people sometimes and, you know, whatever we can do to try to put ourselves in, in the customer's shoes. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So uh, kind of moving on from here, uh, let's talk a little bit about your team's goals for the future of top, Chop Tank. Like, what's your guys' plans for the next five to ten years? What do you, what's your vision? For the yeah, yeah. So I, we don't... We don't really want to get big, you know. Right now, we've got a small team, um, and and we we do some things really well, and we like that, you know. Um, we built a company that that is is currently sustainable, um, and and we have a focus on what we're doing, and we're having a lot of fun doing it, and and so that's kind of how we want to keep it, you know. If we can keep doing things the way that we're doing it, you know, awesome. But we're also kind of open you know mm -hmm. if something comes in the door that's going to cause us to have to explode cool but right now we, we've kind of managed you know the ebbing and flowing of the industry um, you know by making ourselves scalable through our network yeah. um, so you know I guess we'll see but um, <laughs> you know as of right now we kind of like things the way that they're going and 
you said that you've been able to manage kind of the the ins and outs of the way the industry is flowing. What are the hours and things like for you guys? Are you still, you know, working crazy entrepreneur type style, or are you able to kind of balance your life with your job? And yeah, I mean, we've we've achieved pretty good balance. You know, I mean, obviously, I work, you know, probably more than you know your average nine to fiver, but. Um, you know, I don't really work on the weekends anymore, but I'm, I always have my phone and I'm always answering emails and, you know, I have, we have really good relationships with some of our clients where we just like text message each other, you know, yeah. um, stuff like that too. So, um, you know, I'm always working, but um, I, think, I think for me, like the hardest part is like trying to just like switch off, you know, um, <clears throat> not that I'm under the gun to have, you know, like when I'm out of out of office or whatever, you know, I just have trouble just like slowing down. You know, I always want to write something down or come up with some idea or whatever, get it on paper, email it out, or, oh, I forgot to do this, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like the little things that kill me, like um, bookkeeping and <laughs> payroll and, you know, stuff like that that just like, that aren't really part of part of, I mean, they're part of managing a business, but they're not part of the work that I do, mm-hmm. you know. That's Your employees would debate that. Uh, trust yeah, me, they love whatever, that. They, they listen, love the payroll. I'm never more angry than when Josh <laughs> sends me something that I have to write off on the, uh, yeah. the expensive product. Like, dude, he just gives me more work all the time. <laughs> um, but, so kind of one of the last questions we have um, yeah. as we continue to wrap up here is, uh, the theme of our show is live uncomfortably. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, it means a lot more to us than just kind of, you know, pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. But yeah. what do you think of when you hear the phrase and how might it apply to your life and career? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, I, I like that quote or I, I like that phrase, you know, I think that's really cool. And that, that's something that I've always tried to do is um, force myself to kind of charge the hill, you know, um, and just kind of not, not really roll with whatever happens, but but take opportunity as it comes, you know. Um, but, you know, part of, part of the work that we do, we have to push ourselves out of our comfort zone in as a marketing agency, as a strategy agency in today's world with technology the way that it is and the way that marketing is kind of, you know, on the forefront of figuring out how to leverage that technology to get their messages out there. So, um, you know, a big, a big piece of, of what we focus on is creative innovation. And that, that's kind of like, I don't know, creative synthesis of, you know, all these different things that are out there on the forefront, emerging technologies or new concepts or, you know, changing patterns and behaviors and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, I, I guess that, that's kind of what it means to me is, is how do we, how do we adapt to all these crazy changes that are going on out there? But, but more than that, it's how do we harness them, you know, and put these two, you know, seemingly un, you know, or, uh, excuse me. Unrelated? These, yeah, thank you. These two seemingly unrelated things, and how do we put them together in an interesting way to create something new? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of how it has to be nowadays, because everything's already been, been thought of, more or less, right? So. We have to we have to innovate in, in kind of that way and so um, yeah I, I think I think it's it's trying trying those new things or or thinking of 
how do we how do we do this and then taking that risk mm-hmm. to do it is the hardest part you know charge the hill I charge like the it. hill yeah charge the hill that's it we'll have uh, to get some new t-shirts made get some new t-shirts made <laughs> well uh, i think that's all we got for today mike uh, we really appreciate awesome. you joining us is there any last words you got for our listeners Man, I'm not prepared for that. Not prepared for that question. Just Uh-oh. charge the hill, guys. I mean, <laughs> just be – honestly, just, like, be fearless. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, what do you have to lose? You know, in the grand scheme of things, you're going to make you're gonna make a lot of mistakes. But, honestly, those mistakes, they don't matter. You know, yeah. a year from now, nobody's going to remember. Five years from now, hopefully you won't remember. And, you know, a hundred years from now, you're – you know, whatever. We're all just specks of dust, like – riding this big spinning rock so just do do the best you can and be fearless and make those mistakes as long as you learn from them definitely we're great well hey mike thanks a lot for joining us on the show today yeah we really appreciate your time thanks and for having me conquerors thanks for tuning in that was mike liddy uh the principal creative director and producer as well as chief digital strategist for chop tank agency here in columbus uh, thanks for listening again and we'll uh, talk to you next week if you guys enjoyed that episode Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And go ahead and click that subscribe button. It'll make sure you never miss another episode of Conquering Columbus. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to say thanks to all of our incredible sponsors one more time. And that starts with our friends over at AWH. For those of you who haven't heard of AWH, they are a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm. And with over 22 years of experience, AWH collaborates with a variety of clients to drive desired business outcomes through great digital products. To find out more, check out awh.net and let them know Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. For more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them, there's a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.